to get you unstuck because I want you to get where you want to go. And I don't want you to be stuck in the mud. So lean into the discomfort of me telling you some things that might be hard to hear. Um, so, yeah, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go to my voice memo here and push record. So I can listen later and I can improve for next time. Growth mindset. Um, something that my son and I've been talking a lot about. Sandy, put this on. <laughs> my adult kids teach me now. It's really interesting because I raised them and now they're preaching to me things that I've taught them. And I'm like, what? I was going to a conference and dreading it, signed up for it, and I said to my son, he said, so mom, you know, you looking forward to this conference? And I said, no. He said, what, really? And I was like, no, I've been before. They always say the same thing. I don't really feel like going. And he's like, well, with that attitude, you won't get anything out of it. (laughs) I'm like, it sounded like me. I mean, I was like, that's something I used to tell him. I was like, I did the whole you're right thing. You're right. That's true. And he said, if you go with a growth mindset and you say, I'm going to get something out of this. I don't know what it will be, but I'm going to get something out of this. He said, then you're going to go looking for a treasure. You're going to go looking for a takeaway, and you'll get something out of it. But if you go with the attitude that you don't want to be there and you're not going to get anything out of it, you're just going to go do it because you're obligated, well, then you're going to get that. (laughs) So he's telling me this. Anyway, I got to tell you, I went to that conference, and it ended up being kind of life-changing to me. It was good. I was surprised. Um. I want to draw a connection map. I've been talking a lot about connection. Uh, We're hardwired for love and connection. And we're all worthy, by the way, of love and connection. So uh, if you would allow me to draw a map. This is a map from uh, Dr. Henry Cloud. And uh, he was recently visiting Gateway Church, and he's brilliant. And his book is called, his newest book is called The Power of the Other. And uh, it's, a, it's a great book. But I love this map that he drew. So I'm going to draw this for you and uh, use this as our launching point for this session. It goes like this. <clears throat> Thank goodness this is easy to draw. So I don't have to solicit help. Okay, look here. There. (laughs) That's a map. (laughs) That's a map of your life. And in each of our lives, we uh, have a need to connect. And we will connect in one of these four corners. And the first corner is, uh, let's do this. None, bad, fake, and good. When I landed 
flying here from Dallas, first thing you do when you land, turn on your cell phone. Okay? Turn on my cell phone, and then what it's doing, it's doing this little twirly thing, looking for connection, looking for connection. And that's all of us. From the time that you are born, we come out of the womb crying. Uh, it was so fun to watch my grandkids being born, and it's just, it's just incredible. And my last grandchild, number 10, was born at home before the midwife got there, and it was her husband and I, and my daughter had her standing up, not knowing she was coming right then, and she's like, the baby's coming, and Annie's like, and I'm like, where's the phone? I grabbed the phone and said to the midwife, the baby's coming, the baby's here, and uh, it was supposed to be a tub birth, there was no water in the tub, there was just Brittany and the baby, I grab a towel, Brittany's standing there, I'm like, I'll run the water now, you can sit in the bathtub while we wait for the midwife, and that's how that happened, but as soon as Haven was born, seven weeks ago, I was waiting for her to cry. <laughs> that was a great sound. So she, she was born, Andy and Brittany, get her. Brittany's standing there holding her. I get the, give her the towel, and then Haven, Haven goes. She pops her eyes open, and, she, and I got a picture of it. She goes, wah! <laughs> and I was like, well, hello, Haven. Welcome to the world. <laughs> we didn't even know you were coming today, but we're happy you're here. Five pounds, nine ounces, perfect delivery, perfect birth, beautiful, perfect little baby girl. The midwife came and saw an all's well that ends all. It's the most incredible birth story. But anyway, she's born, and what is she looking for immediately? Connection. And I love that. I love that. Uh, it's it's um, a trend now that moms and dads are being very educated to have that skin-to-skin contact after the baby's born. It's just a beautiful thing. So Haven has a skin-to-skin contact right away. So she's getting that connection. That attachment is critical for her development, critical for her development. And for all of us, we all need to be attached. We need to be connected. We're hardwired for connection to God and to others. So uh, when we are looking for connection... It's kind of this swirly thing going on. I don't know if you're well connected to people or not, but if you're not, then it's going like this and you're looking for connection, kind of like on your cell phone, okay? If you have no connection, you're over in this corner and I just want you to know that, um, that your heart's desire and your hunger for connection is real. It's important. It's God-given. It will never go away. It's important, and it's beautiful. But if you don't have any right now, then you feel like you're right here in number one, okay? Number two is a bad connection. It's when you're in relationships with people, and they make you feel bad all the time. They make you feel guilty. They make you feel bad. You leave your time together feeling worse. Um, sometimes even people come to church and then they, they leave feeling guilty. They leave feeling rejected. They leave feeling ashamed. Um, or in a marriage, you could go on a date night and then you end up feeling bad at the end of the night. Or it's just you, it's, it's a bad connection relationships with abusers, 
It's a bad connection. It's a bad connection. Same thing like with your cell phone. Just a bad connection. Just You think it's there and bam, it's gone. Bad connection. <clears throat> Fake connection is when um, it seems good and then it's just so temporary. It's good and then it's gone. It's good and then it's gone. And it's just temporary. There's nothing lasting about it. Um, we see this also with our cell phones sometimes. I had this at Sonny's house yesterday. It was like, it's like a good signal, no single. Good signal, no signal. Good signal, no signal. And my daughter, Brittany, was trying to FaceTime me. She's like, are you there? Are you there? And I'm like, I'm there. And the kids, and I could see them in FaceTime, but they couldn't see me. And I was like, I'm here. Can't you see me? She's like, we can't see you. It's black. And I was like, oh, I see you. I said, Anderson, your hands are on your head. And he laughed because he couldn't see me. And I said, now your hands are on your neck. And he's like, and then he was going, now your hands are on your shoulders. And they just thought it was so funny because I could tell them what they were doing, but they couldn't see me, but I could see them. It's funny. Um, but anyway, it's interesting because uh, I, I kept moving around the house, and I kept getting, like, this bad connection. I understand why. So I was messing with my mom, like, why am I getting a bad connection? Why am I getting a bad connection? We can see in relationships, there are relationships that are a bad connection, a bad connection. And then, um, and then good connection is, is a, a really a God connection. It's a connection that is solid, it is healthy, it has its foundations in, in uh, the creator. It's the connection that is, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. It's the love-based good connection, very good connection. So in life, what happens very often is people can kind of do a, like a European roundabout going like this. And, and, um, and in order to get here, it's really, it is a narrow path. It isn't the wide road. This is the wide road that people tend to just... And some days they'll be here, 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 some days they'll be here. Sometimes the connection in this fake category um, will be substituted when there's not solid relationships with things like uh, drugs, alcohol, food, shopping, working, things, the temporary high. It's that fake good connection. It's that feel good in the moment, but it doesn't last. But it's a very narrow path to get to this good connection. And the narrow path, um, it is that path of surrender. It is the path of giving. It is a path of, of, of being hyper-focused on your needs, hyper-focused on you, not me, on not getting my needs met to have a good connection, but on, on me meeting your needs. And, um, and that comes through a revelation of God. It comes through a revelation of his sacrifice for us. And then we repeat what he did for us to others, and we sacrifice to others. And that's where this whole good connection is based out of a foundation of agape love. So this map is a map of relationships. Relationships is why you exist. We do everything for relationship. We exist for relationship. Your purpose is relationships. So you might say, well, yeah, but that's unfortunate because relationships are desire because relationships always take cooperation from somebody else, right? But remember, it's a goal with God because he's already done his part. So then we do our part. Then it's a desire for us to have connection with others. But here is the interesting thing. Sometimes we try so hard to connect with people 
who are not reciprocating the same desire for the same connection. And, and then when that's the case, you need to open your eyes to see who is it that wants connection. Where can I fill a need? Where can I give? Because we have a world full of people who need love. And there, you might not connect with who you wish you were connecting to, but it doesn't mean that you shouldn't connect. We actually each have a personal responsibility to connect. And we have a personal responsibility to connect because that's what God's called us to do, is to love others. Okay? So, um, so that is a life map, and I strongly uh, recommend Henry Cloud's book, The Power of the Other. Integrity is when there is an integration, a coming together. You can see my hands moving like this, and coming together, joining together. Integrity is an integration of what you believe and how you behave. So if you believe something but it's not evident in your behavior, it's going to cause an internal chaos in you. It will rob you of your peace, okay? And so if you are not at peace, examine carefully what you believe, what you really believe. Do you really believe that God is who he says he is? Do you really believe it? Do you really believe he can do what he says he can do? Do you really believe it? Really believe it. You don't have to believe it like a huge amount of faith, but you can't let it go. you got to really believe it. Um, so, so when you believe and you can, in a cognitive, logical way, write down your beliefs, then integrity is the integration of what you believe and how you behave. Let's say if you believe, for instance, that yelling, yelling in an angry way, punishing in an angry way, whatever, yelling in an angry way, if you believe that that is um, bad communication, bad behavior, not productive in the building of a relationship, doesn't make people feel loved, if that's your belief, then integrity means that your behavior will be integrated with your belief. So, so the key to, to having that inner peace is being able to admit your opportunity for growth. Your opportunity for growth. And it's important to see that you have an opportunity for growth without feeling like a failure. Because, see, God didn't, that's not him. God's not telling you you're a failure. I mean, the enemy is the accuser of the brethren. He's not, God, but, but don't be afraid of failing. Don't be afraid of rejection. Don't be afraid of being wrong. What's so bad about being wrong? What is so bad about being wrong? What's so bad about failing? A growth mindset says there's nothing bad about failing. Failing is actually good. In fact, failing is the, is, what, is the foundation of what strengthens you to learn. So it's a, it's a process of growth. It's not a bad thing. A group of students were, um, were tested, and students who had a fixed mindset 
They just thought that they were smart, always straight-A students, always getting good grades. They're just smart students. They, they set them up to fail so that they could do a brain scan to see how their brain handled failure. And the students with a fixed mindset, they thought they were smart, and then when they failed, their brain shut down. Their brain shut down, and they were so depressed at the, the idea of, I thought I was smart, now I'm not smart. Oh, my gosh, now what do I do? I failed. I can't handle it. Shut down. The first person that invented the airplane uh, was not the Wright brothers, but he was sponsored. I forget his name. He was sponsored by um, all this. He had all this money behind him, backing him up. And he failed, and he quit. And the Wright brothers looked at every time they failed as an opportunity for growth, an opportunity for growth, an opportunity for growth. And they embraced it, and they're the ones that ended up um, succeeding really with the Lord's blessing. So really interesting how that works. But, um, but, this, but this, the way that it works with integrity is we have to be able to, um, have to be able to take a look at what you believe and how you behave and honestly decide, is there an integration with that? And that could be with anything that you believe, anything. Do you believe that money, you know, is really important and everything's all about money? Or if you don't believe that it is, well, then you can't behave as though it is. You know, so whatever. I mean, I don't know. You could use a million illustrations with that. But just be sure that if you are feeling some chaos internally, check your integrity. Check if there's an integration with what you believe and how you behave with uh, your, your theology and your reality. <laughs> Is your theology and your reality integrated? Important to ask yourself. The reason why you have to ask yourself is because the key to emotional intelligence, EQ, stands for emotional intelligence. It's the measurement of emotional intelligence, is four, four things, four components that build upon each other. So step one to having a high EQ is self Evaluation. Number two, self management. Let's see, relationship management. I'm going to correct the first one and say self awareness. It takes self evaluation to have self awareness and self awareness to, to evaluate correctly. So an illustration of someone who would have a low score with the self-awareness is in the physical realm, a woman, say, that would have anorexia to look in the mirror, and she thinks she's fat. But if you, if a dozen people were in the room with her, they would say, you're really, really, really thin, like almost like a skeleton, really thin. You're not fat. So that would be an example of a bad self-awareness. What she's seen is not reality. So um, with self-awareness, the way that we have an 
accurate self-awareness is we have to put ourselves in that very vulnerable position of getting feedback. So that means that I would have to be willing to say, um, I want everyone to give me feedback about my personality or about this talk or about, um, you know, what, what do you think about me? So, so I am asking you for feedback, and then I've got to be willing to be vulnerable enough that when you say, yeah, you know, you're, you're really pretty rude often. You're really, you know, mom, the truth is you do yell a lot. You appear to be really angry. Or it's like, or you're a really bad communicator. You're shut down all the time. You know, or what it is. But don't be afraid of criticism because for years I was afraid of criticism. Oh, my gosh. Like all day, every day, it's like I lived to just try to not get in trouble. It's like, oh, please don't criticize me. I, I, I'm just going to try, try to do everything right so that I can avoid all criticism. And it took me a long time to realize that actually criticism is my friend. Criticism is a benefit. Even if they mean it for evil, God will use it for good in my own life and help me be self-aware by taking your criticism, whether it comes from a good or bad place in your heart, that I can say, oh, you think of that about me? Oh, well, that's not true. <laughs> you know, well, you know, it, it must be at least a little bit true or it wouldn't even hurt you. See, if you were six feet, five inches tall, and somebody called you shorty, you're going to be like, <laughs> that's just silly. Like, they called you shorty, and you're super tall. So there would be no pain there. If you were six feet, five inches tall, and someone was like, wow, you're really tall. How does it feel to be tall? You're, like, taller than everybody else. You're like a skyscraper. Man, you're tall. You're do you play basketball? you play volleyball? I mean, you're really tall. How does it feel to be so tall? Okay, then you'd be like, they think I'm too tall. I don't, I don't like being this tall. I, don't, I can't feel like I can't even wear heels. I'm, it's awkward being taller than most people. See, then it would sort of hurt because there was truth in it. Okay, so when, when people will criticize you, you'll know if you need to listen to it if you're hurt by it. So instead of just being hurt and being stuck in the place of self-pity of, well, that was rude, and I'm really hurt by that, right after that, be go, you know what? But I'm not going to be offended. I'm going to count it all joy as I have this trial of being criticized because I'm going to see how I can grow and use this criticism as an opportunity for growth. Okay. So if it hurts, there's probably at least a little bit of truth in it. Not probably. There, there is at least a little bit of truth in it. So use it for an opportunity for growth. Be excited about it. The book of James says, be excited about these trials. Count these trials all joy when you encounter things that um, come against you. It's an opportunity for growth. Okay? It's an opportunity for growth. The opportunity for growth is step one in emotional intelligence. So self-awareness. Ask people, ask people, and listen carefully when people give you feedback. Um, the next is self-management. Once you get that feedback, make it a point to manage. 
We all have strengths and weaknesses. We all have areas of our life that need management, <laughs> that we're going, okay, all of these less of the flesh, this, 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 this isn't a problem, this I need to manage. Um, and as you find the area that you need to manage, really self-awareness and self-management is possible to be really accurate, and I love that I can tell this in this group, through a revelation of the power of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit, when we say, open up my eyes to the things unseen, Holy Spirit, you tell me stuff about me that needs to be purified. You tell me what's not, what is ugly. There's ugly things in me. I want to be washed. I want to be cleansed. I want to be purified. I know I don't see it because I can't even see what's behind me. Um, like I said to Sonny, can you put, check the back of my hair? I can't see back there. I could also tell her, can you, can you tell me about my, my um, tongue? Do you feel like my tongue has been too sharp lately? Because I can't see back there because I can't hear myself talk in our relationship. Am I saying things too harshly, too bluntly, too boldly? Like, like do you feel really like I'm being super insensitive? Because if that's the case, I know that in a friendship and in a relationship, I need to be more sensitive than I can be to a complete stranger that's a client that's just asking me for my blunt opinion. Well, I can give my blunt opinion to a stranger, that, and I, I can't really do that with, in a friendship. So if I'm doing that and I don't see it, I need you to tell me. And then if I'm self-aware and if I say, ooh, you're right, please help me. Please help me. Call me out. You're my good friend. Somebody's, have you ever heard somebody say, you need a friend? I think some of the girls said that the other day. I don't know. Um, but I, I have a girl that says uh, if someone's, like, wearing clothes that are too tight or you can see their panty lines or something that, like, that you wouldn't see, she'll say in a nice way, she needs a friend. <laughs> she needs a friend to tell her that her panties are showing or she needs a friend to tell her that she's got a booger hanging out or she needs a friend. You, know, you need a friend. You need a friend. So be grateful for it so that you can self-manage when your friends help you with your self-awareness. Embrace it. Social awareness is when you walk into a situation and you assess the situation and then you take the personal responsibility to adapt. So maybe uh, different situations are easier socially and more difficult socially, but we have to take the personal responsibility to adapt. Am I walking in and everyone's quiet? I need to be quiet. If everyone is socializing, I need to not just sit down and ignore everyone and be on my cell phone. I need to walk in and be hello. If I walk in and everyone else is on their phone, instead of me going, well, fine, I'm here. Isn't anyone going to talk to me? You guys can all be on your phone. I can, I can, I can evaluate the situation and be like, oh, I guess it's time for everyone to be on their phone right now. Let's all check. Be like, oh, so then I'll adapt so that, so that I'm, um, so I'm adapting to the environment around me for the purpose of relationship management. So a lot of people come to me for relationship counseling, um, marriage and family, so, and, and dating relationships. Um, but that's all the way down here. It's impossible to have a relationship without having these things first. And actually, self-help, self-growth, self-management, self-improvement, all that stuff, really, in this group, you guys got to think of it like uh, Holy Spirit helps me to be aware of myself. The Holy Spirit helps me to manage myself. The Holy Spirit helps me to be social aware. The Holy Spirit is giving me revelation about my relationships. Because really, if we're just relying on ourself, we would think of ourselves as a self-made man, self-made woman. And then you would want all the credit. But the truth is, you don't deserve any credit because, like, 
30 seconds before Haven was born, she did not birth herself. (laughs) And 30 seconds before Haven was conceived, Brittany and Andy did not figure out who they wanted to be born and what she was going to be like. Like, it is all God. It is all God. It is all God, all God, all God. We can't, there's no such thing as a self-made. We are God-made, period. So we rescind, but but we do have self-responsibilities that God gives us. So our our self-awareness, our self-esteem all comes through the acknowledgement of the relationship of who our maker is and how he made us. But we do have a responsibility to tend and to be good stewards of ourself, right? Good stewards of ourself. So this is emotional intelligence. Everybody has an ability and a need from now until death do you part um, to raise your EQ score. And there's times that you'll feel like you've got a pretty good EQ score. Doing pretty good. I'm emotionally healthy. I'm emotionally well. And the evidence of that will be that your relationships are good. Okay? If your relationships are bad and you really, really struggle with, like, like the diagram that I showed you before, with either poor connection or no connection, bad connection or fake connection, then that's your clue that you don't have a good God connection first. Okay, and so that's your clue if, you, if you're going in with those other connections with your relationships. So this is your clue uh, to go back to step one, okay, to raise that emotional intelligence and, um, and that you just need some healing in your heart and you need to open your mind to that growth mindset of maturity. My grandma's 92 years old. She lives with me, and she's a riot, <laughs> and she's going to live with me until she dies. And I don't know, it's probably going to be 10 years. Or more. Um, But she says, I want to learn something new every day. Well, if she hasn't figured it all out by now, and if she says, I need to learn something new every day, how important is it for us to continue with that growth mindset of God, teach me, make me, mold me, um, help me to, to have a constant revelation and a constant hunger that you can fill me, you can satisfy me. I want more. 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 And it's a constant thing of growing into more, growing into more health, growing into more healing, growing into more righteousness so that we can experience more of God, more of the kingdom of God, which is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Amen.